Welcome to the Bayside Church Weekly Message audio podcast, Frankston. Well, today um, it's my privilege to be able to continue our series on hope. Uh, Of course, Pastor Rob was here last weekend and he kicked it off. uh, A very hopeful message talking about the things that we have to look forward to. And if you weren't here last Sunday morning, uh, can I encourage you to jump online onto our iTunes account and download the podcast of Pastor Rob's message uh, last weekend. Well, as we know, it's Palm Sunday today, so one week before Easter Sunday. And uh, I've titled the message today, Hope Because of the Cross. Hope Because of the Cross. And if you would like message notes, uh, you can do it the usual way uh, via the YouVersion Bible app. You can follow the links to get to the notes that way. The other thing we're actually launching uh, this weekend, another way that you can actually get a hold of the message notes. And you can do that by going on to the Bayside Church website. So baysidechurch.com.au and click on the media tab and then follow the prompts. You can click on the Frankston weekly message and then there's a, a spot in there that you can type your own notes and you can then email them to yourself. Okay, hope because of the cross. Hope is a feeling of expectation and a desire for a particular thing to happen. Now, interestingly, we all put our hope into something. We all hope for something. Around Christmas time, it's very evident that most kids hope that they have been good enough throughout the year to receive some presents on Christmas morning. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. Over the weekend, a lot of us put our hope into a sporting team. And then interestingly, if our sporting team, say a football team, doesn't do so well, well then suddenly our weekend might become a little bit hopeless. Any Carlton supporters in the room? Sorry, sorry, it's a bit bit soon. Sorry about that. We'll pray for you guys after. You're going to have a terrible season. No. But it's true. But it's true. Facebook. Who loves Facebook? One person. Fantastic. So the thing with Facebook is we can sometimes put a status up there or maybe an Instagram photo and we're we're counting the likes on our photo as they're coming in and we're hoping that through the the status that we put up on Facebook that we might actually gain a little bit more peer group acceptance. We're hoping for that. I'm hoping for something this morning. I'm hoping that this sermon is not hopeless (laughs) and you can help me preach a good sermon by being responsive. Does that sound good? Are you with me today? Are we alive? We've got some energy. Here we go. Fantastic. I love it. We all hope in something. You know, in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19, I love this verse. It talks about hope being like an anchor for our soul. I love the imagery that's associated with that. The hope is like an anchor going down into our soul. It talks about this anchor being firm and secure. And I want to ask us a question today. What type of hope do we anchor ourselves to? You see, there's different types of hope. There's a false hope. And the problem with that is that we can anchor ourselves down, but it's a shaky foundation if we go into a false hope. There's a thing called true hope. There's a 
sustaining hope. There's an eternal hope. There's all different types of hopes that we can anchor ourselves to. But are we anchoring ourselves to a hope that is dead or alive? It's a good question to ask ourselves. If you've got our Bibles, how about we turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Fantastic. Three people are excited this morning. I love it. <laughs> 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Page 1,190 in my Bible. Uh, interestingly, uh, the Apostle Peter, he's obviously written the two books towards the end of the Bible, First Peter and Second Peter, and he talks a lot about hope. I love Peter. He's a hopeful kind of guy. And we're going to touch on one type of hope that he refers to here. Are we ready to go? 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, exclamation mark. I love the punctuation in there, exclamation mark. That's exciting. That's a good way to start reading this scripture. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. That's a great type of hope right there, into a living hope. Hope. I've underlined those words in my Bible. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's good news right there. You see, for us who are Christians, born again Christians, God has given us new birth into a living hope through what Jesus did on the cross. His death and resurrection on the cross. That's good news right there. You see, Peter is talking about a hope that we can anchor ourselves to in life, and this hope is alive. You see, hope for us as Christians is not dead. In fact, hope rose as Jesus rose from the grave. Our hope rose with him. You see, hope is alive because of the cross. Hope is real because of the cross. Do you believe that? Hope, get this, get this, hope is a person. It's not a philosophy or maybe a nice idea or an ideal. Hope is a person and his name is Jesus Christ. That is our hope, Jesus Christ. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. That's good news right there that we are born again, born into a new life into this living hope. Hope is alive because of the cross. So what did Jesus actually do then for us on the cross? Well, in the next six and a half hours today, we are, I saw a few heads just be like, what? We're going to go to lunch. What are you doing to me, man? No, very briefly, it would take me a long time to explain this right out, but very briefly, what Jesus did for you and I on the cross is that he brought atonement for our sins. What does that word mean? That's a fancy word. It basically just means that atonement means to, to wash away or to forgive. So what Jesus did for us on the cross is he washed away and he forgave us of our sins. Now, 
Interestingly, if we go back to the Old Testament for a moment, you can read about this in Leviticus chapter 16. There was a, a very important day on the Jewish calendar at one day a year, and this was called the Day of Atonement. And what they would do on this day, the high priest of Israel at the time, he would perform a very special ceremony to atone for the sins of Israel. All the sins that Israel have committed in that previous year, this ceremony was taking place by the high priest to atone for that, to, to forgive, to wash away the sins of Israel. Now, this ceremony usually took the whole day to perform, but we are actually going to perform this ceremony here this morning. Are you excited about that? Do you want to see an Old Testament ceremony right here, right now? Excellent. We're going to do it in about three or four minutes. Now, I'm not trying to minimize the, the symbolic significance of this Old Testament ceremony by doing it so quickly today, but what I aim to do, what I want to do in showing you this is to draw some stuff out of it and show you how it basically or does mirror what Jesus did for us on the cross. Okay, so I need a high priest. Mitch, I'm going to get you to come up here. Give it up for high priest Mitch today. If you want to just stand down the front here, that's great. He looks like a good priest, don't you reckon? If you had any priest, this guy, he's a good, he's a good guy. So we're going to run through this ceremony. Are you ready? Yes. Do you choose to accept this mission? Excellent. I love your confidence. Now, the first thing that high priest Mitch has to do early in the morning, he has to get up, he has to wash himself, and then he has to clothe himself in the holy linen garment. So we have a holy linen garment behind you there, sir. If you can just place that on you, please. Very nice, very nice. Doesn't he look better already? Let's give it up for high priest Mitch. Really brings out your eyes. It's very nice. I think that's your color, mate. Very nice. Okay. So now he's dressed in his holy linen garments. Now, the next task that our high priest has to do for us today is he first of all has to atone for his own sins. So make a sacrifice, an offering for his own sins and the sins of his household. So what high priest Mitch has done is prepared a bull. So we'll just get our bull ready. Here's our bull. And the first thing that our high priest here has to do today is he has to sacrifice this bull. So let's sacrifice the bull right now. No bull. All right, fantastic. Who's glad we didn't use live animals in here today? Just, just saying. Okay, so there's our bull. Now, we've sacrificed our bull as a sin offering for our high priest. Now, what our high priest has to do is he has to take some of the blood of the bull through the temple of God. And this is over here. This represents the, the most holy place, the holy of holies. This is the, the Ark of the Covenant or the mercy seat. Uh, this basically represents for us God's power and, and his presence. And uh, you can read about it in Hebrews 9. I won't go into it now, but in there we've got the stone tablets that the Ten Commandments are written on. We've got a jar of manna, and we've also got Aaron's staff that budded. So it basically represents the presence of God. So a high priest is going to come through the temple, and he's going to sprinkle some of the blood of the bull onto this Ark of the Covenant, also known as the mercy seat, uh, literally means the atonement place. Now, being technically correct, we've got to sprinkle seven times, and then he comes back out of the temple again. Well done, high priest. Now, you've done your first job. Well done. You're doing well. 
considering this takes all day, we're doing this very quickly. Okay, the next thing our high priest has to do is he's now cleansed his own sins. Now he has to cleanse the sins on behalf of all of Israel. So he has to take a goat. Now he's prepared, pre-prepared two unblemished goats. So the first goat that he takes, there they are, look how unblemished they are, they look stunning. Now the first goat he's going to take, and this one is also going to be sacrificed as an offering for all of Israel's sins. So we're going to sacrifice a goat right now. There he goes, there goes that goat. And then he's going to repeat the process. He's going to take some of the blood of the goat through the temple into the most holy place, sprinkle seven times onto the mercy seat. Seven, well done. And he's coming back out again. So now he has atoned for the sin of Israel. Now, the last thing that our high priest has to do for us this morning is he doesn't have to sacrifice another goat. But what he does with this goat is something very special. He what he had to do was he had to lay his hands on the head of the goat and he, had to, he has to verbalize all of the sins that Israel committed in that previous years, previous year, sorry. And what that basically means is he's transferring the guilt of Israel onto this goat. Anyone ever heard of the term a scapegoat? Okay, so he's transferring the guilt of Israel onto this goat. Now, he doesn't kill this goat, but what he does is he banishes it to the wilderness. Now, I'm just stalling a little bit here because I can see what our high priest is up to, and he's ready to go. So we're just going to banish our goat. (laughs) That's definitely not banished. That is one of the worst paper planes I think I've ever (laughs) seen. Well done. Give it up for our high priest, Mitch, this morning. Fantastic. Well done, Mitch. You would make a very good priest. So let me just summarize what we have done in that, in that ceremony. The first thing that we see has happened is that our high priest has cleansed the temple of God through the sacrifice of these animals. And he's basically then uh, relieved the moral pollution, if you will, of Israel's sins from the house of God. So that's the first thing that we have accomplished. The second thing that we've accomplished is through the, the banishment of this goat, Israel has actually witnessed their sins being taken away from them. This goat was released into the wilderness and it was basically their guilt, their shame, their condemnation, all of it went on this goat into the wilderness. So they were forgiven, they were cleansed of their sins. So they're the two things that our high priest has accomplished for us today. Forgiveness of sins and their sins being taken away. Now, as I said, this is a mirror of what Jesus accomplished for you and I on the cross. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, he carried our sins in his body and he removed them for us forever, taking on the role of this living goat. He removed our sins forever. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, it says, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that is the cross so that we might die to sins and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. So there's this removal of our sins, this banishment of our sins. That's one thing that Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. The second thing, when Jesus arose from the dead and ascended into heaven, he 
carried his own blood, spiritually speaking, and sprinkled his own blood onto not just an earthly temple, but he ascended to heaven and the heavenly temple. So he took part, he, he took the role of the dead goat as well by taking his own blood and sprinkling that into the, the heavenly sanctuary and again relieving us of our sins. I'll explain it by giving you this scripture. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 24 to 26. It says, For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. No, he entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. That's awesome. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Remember, the high priest has to go every year into the temple and he offers up the bull's blood and the goat's blood. No, then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared once for all. I love that. Jesus has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. So to summarize what Jesus has done for us, number one, he has taken our sins. He has removed our sins from us. The Bible talks about as far as the east is to the west, basically meaning forever Jesus has taken our sins away from us. And also through the sacrifice of his own blood, he has cleansed the heavenly sanctuary. So that allows us, this is good news for us right now, that allows us to come into God's presence confidently, to come into God's presence boldly. And you see, God still asks us to come with an offering, but rather than an offering of blood, he allows us to come with an offering of thanksgiving or an offering of praise. Psalm 100 says, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. Who's thankful that we no longer have to sacrifice animals and take their blood into God's temple, but we can come through the sacrifice of Jesus. We can come just as we are, forgiven, cleansed, holy, and we can offer thanksgivings and praise. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. He is worthy of all the praise. Jesus accomplished all of this for us when he died on the cross and rose again. No longer do we have to go through this ceremony. Jesus did it once for all. Amen. That's some powerful stuff right there. So we who are born again Christians, as we read in Peter, we are born, given new birth into a living hope, anchored, anchored to a firm foundation because of the cross and what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. Amen. So just to finish up this morning, I'd like to, I've just written down seven reasons why we have hope in the cross. Seven reasons. I know there's probably more than seven, but I, I stopped on seven. I thought it was a nice godly number, a nice holy number. So I stopped on seven. So I know there's more, but we're going to do seven here this morning. So can I encourage you, if, if you're not taking notes, just jot these down. We're going to move quickly, and I'm going to give you the, the, the seven reasons and also a scriptural reference that you can look up in your own time this week. So number one, we have hope in the cross 
because Jesus justifies us. Jesus justifies us. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 and verse 8 and 9 says, Hope does not disappoint us. Amen. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Listen to this. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Since we have been justified by his blood, how much more? I love this. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath? That's some good stuff right there. We are justified through what Jesus did on the cross. Number two, we have hope in the cross because Jesus redeems us. Jesus redeems us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. I love that word there, lavished, lavished. Doesn't that word just sound so lavish? <laughs> it's a beautiful word. That's what God's given us. He's lavished his, his grace upon us. He's lavished his love upon us through what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. Jesus redeems us. Amen. Number three. Number three. We have hope in the cross because Jesus sanctifies us. Jesus sanctifies us. Sanctify basically means he sets us apart or he makes us holy. That's what sanctify means. He makes us holy. Nothing through what we've done, but through everything that Jesus has done for us. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 10 to 12 says, the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering. We've seen that this morning. But the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate. That's where the cross was located to make the people holy through his own blood. Do you see yourself as holy? Jesus has died on the cross so that all of us can be holy. That's how God sees you. He sees you as holy in his presence, not because of anything you've done, but through everything that Jesus has done for you. Number four, are we going all right? Number four, we have hope in the cross because Jesus frees us from our sins. Amen. He frees us from our sins. Revelation 1 verse 5 says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. We are called to live as sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are called to live in freedom, called to live in freedom. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. We're not called to live under guilt or shame or condemnation or judgment. We are called to be free because of what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. Number five, we have hope in the cross because Jesus brings us closer to God. Jesus brings us closer to God, God the Father. You see, Father God is he's all about relationship. He just wants relationship with us. He doesn't want to be a judge. God's not a judge. He's a father. 
He wants us to come just as we are into his presence, daddy, God. And we can do that through Jesus, through the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. He brings us closer to God. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Verse 6, two to go. That's sorry, number 6, two to go. We have hope in the cross because Jesus cleanses our conscience. Jesus cleanses our conscience. Have you ever thought about that? How's your conscience? You know, we're not called to live under the oppression of a guilty conscience or maybe under shame. Jesus came to cleanse us from all of that. Yeah, we may have done stuff in our past that we're not proud of, but we don't have to live in the past. Jesus has come, as we said, once for all to cleanse us of any guilt, any shame, any condemnation. As we just said, we are free in Him. We are free through His incredible sacrifice. He cleanses our conscience. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13 and 14 says, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Your conscience is cleansed. Get rid of the guilty conscience. It doesn't belong because Jesus has cleansed you from it. Amen. And the last one, and this is my favorite, and I might actually get our uh, worship team to come up now if you guys wouldn't mind. That'd be great. The last one, the seventh one today. We have hope in the cross because Jesus inspires our confidence to approach God. Jesus inspires our confidence to approach God. As I said before, God wants us to come boldly into his presence, to come confidently into his presence, filled with his thanksgiving, filled with praise, the fruit of our lips, shouting his name, praising his name. That's how we are to come into his presence. And he um, inspires, Jesus inspires us to do that. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 23, I'm going to read these four verses. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, as our word, living way, open for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God, there it is again, with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. How beautiful is that? Washed with a pure water. Let, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Amen. Amen. We have hope in the cross. Hope is alive because of the cross. We who are born again Christians, as we read in 1 Peter, are born into a new birth, into a living 
hope. We are anchored. We have a firm foundation, a secure foundation for our life because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Fantastic. We hope you enjoyed listening to this weekly message audio podcast. If you'd like to listen to more messages and find out more information, check out our website at www.baysidechurch.com.au. Church has changed. Check it out.